and welcome to a live stream edition of Locked On Guardians. I want to thank everyone who listens, does all that stuff. I'm going to try to share the link now that I think I finally figured out uh, how to do such things. But yeah, we're going to try another live stream. Never know what's going to happen when these occur. But I want to thank everyone who is listening, watching, and we are going to get into the Houston Astros game, currently in the 8th. For the Cleveland Guardians, we're going to talk some Tim Heron who got promoted. Uh, I've got a whole <laughs> Joey Cantillo, Hunter Gaddis. It's really going to be kind of a minor league day, but it's uh, all going to be on today's episode of Lockdown Guardians. Uh, this is a chance for you to find out about so many of the top young players in this Guardian system while discussing what has happened in today's game. Oh, and you know, I'm going to restart the stream of the audio here. So if you have the audio podcast, you just missed the basic intro. You missed uh, the you know first listen, and you missed my introduction. But it just to, for me, again, for those who've never listened to the show before and are not familiar, I view the draft as a national holiday. Uh, the teams are always so bad that, you know, for most of my youth, I can remember. I mean, again, I was born in the 80s. So there were some high peaks, but there's a lot of low lows. And the draft is always something to look forward to. And I think that's what informed my love of the draft. But let's talk about uh, this game today. First off, why is Zach Plesak still in the game in that situation? Let's let's go to the fifth inning where everything went sideways. Like, why is he left in this in this game? I don't understand it. Like, the logic, there. I guess there was none. Let, let's be honest. There wasn't any logic in this, uh, in the fifth inning. So... I mean, to set it up, let's go back. Let's go back to the third where things start to unravel. So in the third inning, he hits, like, remember, before when I did the preview series for this podcast, we talked about the Astros would wish they have Austin Hedges because he's a better defender and he is a better offensive performer. And then Plesak plunks Martin Malnado. Like, that's how this got started. A plunk, a single, and a walk to load the bases. Bregman hits a double. It's a two-to-one game. The Guardians were up thanks to a Jose Ramirez home run in the first. So, just for the record, hit, walk, and a hit, two hits, one being an extra base hit, a walk, and a hit batter. That happens in the third inning. Let's talk about the fourth inning, because, again, you have to kind of go through all this to explain, like, why this is so foolish that he was even in this game. So, in the fourth inning here, they get another run. Because it goes gets two outs, much like the previous inning. There were two outs when he plunked Maldonado. Single error by Plesak trying to attempt to pick a uh, pickoff, allowing Pena to advance to second. And then a double. So two hits again with two outs. So that's back-to-back innings where he's given up uh, two hits. The other one, he also had a walk and a hit batter. And instead, this time, instead of waiting for two outs, it's just like right into it. Hit, hit, hit. Uh, let me pull up the exact, uh, Altuve single, Brantley single. So then we have the mound visit. Someone should have been up to start this inning. Like that is the case with him having scuffled in back-to-back innings. Someone should have already been up. They shouldn't have been like, let's see how it plays out. He gets Bregman to strike out on a foul tip. I mean, I was shocked as anyone else's Jordan, Alde- uh, Jordan, ooh, Jordan Alvarez singles. So all of a sudden it's a four to one game. Uh, then Uriel, uh, Yuli Guriel strikes out. So it's two outs. I don't care that he'd gotten a struck out to the last three batters. He has been not pitching well. Don't leave him in there to face Kyle Tucker. Don't. And you know what Tucker does? He hits a home run. It's a seven, seven to one game. The guardians have gotten two back. 
That was a three-run shot. So you're saying, well, even if he doesn't hit that, it's still, what, a four-to-three four to three game right now in the eighth? It doesn't matter. Like, I, the, the fact of the matter is it shouldn't have gotten there. He had no business still being in. One of the hot debates today is Plesak. What do you do with him? Yes, I get it. His data is all pretty terrible. I have a lot of people like, just cut him. I'm like, okay, let's let's calm down on that. And, you know, just to pull up his data, in 2019 as a rookie, he had a 124 ERA+. Plus. Uh, he, you know, he had a, a war of 1.9, and that's what 21 games started. In 2020, there was only the eight starts. He had a war of... 2.1 that year, and he was amazing. That's the year we really can't make any sense of. And then last year, he had a, a war of 1.2 in 25 starts. He's been a useful back-end starter. This year, he's been hot trash. Um, you might say that's not fair. I don't... I mean, he's got a negative 0.04 war. So I get the frustration. It is just seven starts. Um, so what's... Like, you look at the rate data. It, like, if I look at baseball reference, I'm like, okay, 9.3... His hit rate's a little higher. His home run rate's in line. His walk rate's in line. He is not striking out as many guys. Like, he's a career 6.8, and that's with him being down to a 5.4 this year. But I also kind of want to look at, you know, the batted ball rates. Uh, The exit velocity is a little bit higher this year. His hard hit's a little bit higher. Uh, He's giving up more line drives and less ground balls. So we've talked about when I had uh, Hunter Gaddis on the show, this idea that, let me get the right uh so okay just want to make sure there's no current questions if you do have questions feel free to drop them to the side i will take questions as the podcast is going on um having said that uh you know i talked to the hunter gaddis this idea that the ground ball can hurt you more than the fly ball and i wonder if plesak is doing anything different i wonder if there's anything there that he is having more line drives um if he's trying to get more fly balls because it's not necessarily he's getting more fly balls. He's getting more line drives. He's getting, you know, the line drives. Well, you know, and that's not even necessarily fair. The line drives are higher this year to last year. Uh, the ground ball rate is lower this year. The fly ball rate is up. I mean, that is up. He's at a 27% for his career this year. It's nearly 32. So it might be working against him. Uh, BAPIP, and, and okay, so here's something that stands out. BAPIP in 2020 was an unsustainable 224. That's what happens when you get eight starts. Like, you can get a really fluky data percentage. Uh, It's also when you're facing generally terrible teams. I mean, think about it. His entire season in 2020 was one more start than he's had this year. And how early are we in the season still? So just think about that. And then his BAPIP was 264 and 257 in those other years. It's 274. It's about average this year. Uh, overall, uh, you know, it's, there's not a huge ton of things. He's kind of in line, but he's just getting bad results, but the backup doesn't necessarily show bad luck and his FIP is higher. Uh, he just hasn't pitched well. Now, maybe you consider moving into the pen. I'm not opposed to that idea of moving him to the pen. I'm not opposed to the idea that you try something different with him. I just, you know, the same way when I've talked about Fran Mill, I just, I think, it's foolishness to talk about cutting anyone. And I, I think you figure it out, you know, for lack of a better word. Uh, you sit back and you see what you can do. And again, this is a team that's known for its pitching development. You can't all of a sudden just ignore it. You can't just all of a sudden be like, oh, they're not going to get it. It's like, no, let, let's have a little faith that they're going to figure something out uh, overall with him. 
I, like I said, I'm just I'm not willing to be like, okay, he was effective for three years. Uh, now he's in his mid or late twenties. He's just done. Uh, you know. Uh, but let's okay. So let's talk about uh, the big lefty, Tim Heron. So Tim Heron got the promotion today to Triple A. So far this year in Double A, he had an ERA of 2.01, a 14.9 strikeout uh, per nine, and a 2.4 walk per nine. That's right. 14.9 strikeouts per nine, 2.4 walk per nine. Now, when he got drafted, his walk rates were closer to like three or four. It was actually, and he was he's always been a little bit old for the level. Let's be honest with that. As a junior at Indiana in the Big Ten, his strikeout per nine was 5.5. He was not, he didn't miss bat. This is a scouting find with Tim Heron. They worked with him. And here's a fun thing. Go type Tim Heron scouting into Google. Now I know Google can adapt and change for everyone. The number two article on him is, uh, I don't know if I've had Corey on this show, but like I've been friends with Corey through, you know, uh, both having worked at IBI for years. Uh, good dude. But an article he wrote back in 2019 is the number two thing. Uh, Fangraphs is three. Uh, Baseball America one. Four is his prep baseball report was when he was 82 to 86 was his fastball, and five is the top 10 relief prospects from our good friends over at Guardians Baseball Insider. And, you know, now, remember in high school, I said he was like 82 to 86? He's up to 98 now. They've worked with him. He's a big kid at six foot six, uh, I think like 230, yeah. And he's hitting 98. He's moving the ball well uh, through the zone. It's what, fastball, cutter, slider? He's the top relief, um, not relief pitcher. That's stick, still Nick Miklojak. But I think he's the top lefty. And, you know, Anthony Ghost again in today's game. We've been kind of on ghost alert. See if the Indians were going to ghost ghost. Uh, yeah, I went there. But Heron's the next lefty up. Now, we'll talk Joey Cantillo later in the show as well. But the next lefty up in terms of, like, relief, that's Timmy Heron. And you're going to have to add him. Uh, okay, so getting into it... Uh, Here's let me just watch my time as well. I, we got some questions, so I did promise we get into these. So Andrew Seaver, did Cleveland win the straw trade? Feels like a yes, but you never know about the prospect included. Uh, yes, they won. I think 100% they won. They got a Gold Glove caliber center fielder who's going to be slightly below average offensively. Uh, but look at the market for center fielders. Like everyone who could potentially play center field signed before the lockout. It is hard to fill that position. They gave up uh, Maton, who's you know, not even a central part of the bullpen. He is a spin rate guy who everyone thinks is going to get better. And uh, that just hasn't happened. And Yaner Diaz is a catcher who's really a DH who would have been rule five eligible last year. I don't think there was any risk of him getting taken. Houston has a very shallow system. He's not even their top 10 prospect. So yeah, the prospect, I mean, that doesn't mean anything. Obviously this entire guardians team is built around prospects you know i just was talking about tim heron tim heron's never made a prospect list he was a 29th round draft pick out of indiana who couldn't miss a bat in the big 10 now is striking out 14.9 guys uh in double a per nine innings that's almost 10 more than he had per nine as a college starter in the big 10 i'm just going to keep harping on that but yeah i mean diaz could figure it out but i'm i i I think it's a pretty com- comfortable win for them. And for Matt Milner, uh, you know, he wants to give act the benefit of the doubt, like you said. Uh, but if it has come to that, what options do I like? So I'm going to assume he means what options do I like in terms of replacing him. I think you got to go with Pilkington first, just based on what we've seen this year, because he's already on the 40-man. Uh, that or Eli Morgan, if you want to move Morgan back to the starting role, I'm good with either of those. 
I will say I am the person who, from the moment they drafted Eli Morgan, said, you know, with that fastball change, put him in the pen, fast track him to the big leagues. I'm like, he's going to be a seventh, eighth inning guy, put him in the pen, fast track him to the big leagues. So they're doing that. So I kind of hate to, I'm going to keep messing with the volume here. If you're listening to the podcast, just because I'm trying to find a good level because I'm, I'm recording in two separate ways just to try to improve the sound overall on the podcast as there has been some issues to the audio version. But I think, you know, Morgan, I think it'd work as a starter. I I think there's a chance for him to be Josh Tomlin with more missed bats. That's a, a very solid starter. But right now, Pilkington or Morgan make the most sense. Uh, Batonfield needs to be added at the end of the year. Myers, I mean, I have he's been the forgotten man. I feel like he, I haven't dug too much into him or watched stuff because there's been so many more interesting arms. Uh, there just has not been enough for Myers. So I feel like, you know, Myers is kind of right now in that group with, you know, if Hiram listens to this, he'll get mad at me. Uh, I am totally for calling uh, Pilkington the Pilk Man, as Andrew Siever just asked. Yes, we can call him the Pilk Man as long as we can keep calling Logan Allen, Logan Allen the Younger. I'm not going to let go of that nickname I gave him. But yeah, I think Myers is in that grouping, to go back to that, with Yu Chen Chang and maybe, I mean, I think Mercado is pretty safe. But when you're looking for those last few guys, and it's a final 7-3 to loss for the Guardians today, uh, if you're keeping track at home, uh, that is two for two in terms of my predictions of how the series would go. I predicted it'd be tight, kind of c- go either. W- I guess it's not over. Why did it say final? But Clement is hitting. Did I get a bad graphic? I must have got a bad graphic. Uh, <laughs> what's happening here? Um, it's a problem when it's to the side. We're going to take our first commercial break here because I'm already like well past the point where I'm supposed to do that. And then we'll come back. I'll take more questions. and We'll talk about some of these minor league players. Uh, that I've been meaning to get to talk a little bit more on Tim Heron and talk a little bit more about these rotation uh, opportunities that exist for the Cleveland Guardians. And today's sponsor are our good friends over at LinkedIn. With spring in the air, it's time for renewal and growth, personally and professionally. As your small business grows, LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free. I have not used LinkedIn Jobs. One of the best things about LinkedIn, honestly, is the baseball connections. Now, I haven't ever taken advantage of those, but I have more connections to people in the game through LinkedIn than any other place. You can create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. Then add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word you're hiring so your network can help you find the right people to hire. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience. You can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash lockdownmlb. That's linkedin.com slash lockdownmlb to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. So let me look at the little thing. Uh, You're getting to see some behind baseball here where I have to keep track of my tags and everything else. Like normally I can just pause and write things down can't do that when i'm doing a live stream it's a little more chaotic a little bit more uh just a little more chaotic let's be honest uh jump jumping up to 11 on the i have not so andrew asked what are your thoughts on espino jumping to 11 on mlb pipelines list it feels like an overcorrection because when is the last time espino actually pitched like he hasn't played too much recently due to injury which has always been the 
grand concern for him, right? Now, not to say that he's not worthy of being super high. You know, I've, I've made my statement on him, which is he's a unicorn. <laughs> he's a unicorn. Uh, you know, I predicted he'd get hurt before uh, he signed. After he was drafted, I was like, you know, this, I can't see what he hasn't pitched in May. Four starts this year. So it's a little weird to jump him up when he's been good. He's been solid. And there we go. Now the final is official 7-3. to three. Well, not good, but at least I can say the game is, we know what the ending is in this one. But uh, yeah, he's, the talent is certainly there. I just have a hard time, and it's always been the same hard time I've always had. When someone is, uh, there's no one like him. It's the same reason I was lower on McKenzie. There's never been a pitcher with his size and build. It's hard for me to be predictive, and as I talked about on the podcast, maybe it is honestly flexibility. That's that's my new theory. We need like a flexibility metric because I've talked about the fact that like extreme athleticism can help you avoid injury. Now it's not perfect. Uh, Hunter Green of the Reds is one of the best athletes. I mean, I called him a generational talent a few years ago. Uh, he would have been a first round pick as a shortstop or as a pitcher. And obviously a high, high end athlete, and he still required surgery. So it's not perfect. But when I look at someone like him, or when you look at a Spino, it's like, I wonder about that flexibility, and maybe that'll give it to him. I, I don't know who's higher than him on that pitching list. I, I didn't really look at it, if I'm being honest. I get why he's there, though. In terms of just, if everything goes right, I'm not sure who has a higher ceiling uh, in terms of pitching prospects in baseball. I was trying to think if there's anything left on Tim Heron here. I think I've covered it. Right now, for me, I think he's the number two reliever in system. Number one left-handed reliever in system, and I think we'll see him in the big leagues. He was already Rule 5 eligible, by the way, so he is another name. I was talking uh, over on Twitter with uh, Nathan Kingsley, at NT Kingsley. And let's see, what's the list we came up with as we were just debating uh, who has to be added? It's like, (laughs) we'll talk about Joey Cantillo in a bit and what he's doing. Uh, uh, Angel Martinez, Batonfield, Bo Naylor, Nick Miklojak, Curry, Hankins, Hunter Gaddis, who I had on the show just a few weeks ago. He has really bumped himself up. Uh, Will Brennan, who we've talked about, is uh, a riser. Talking about all those players, like Lenny Torres doesn't make that cut. That's that's how crazy it is right now. I'm sure that I am leaving someone off this list. But yeah, we were discussing that today. It's just the depth is utterly unbelievable in the upper minors. So let's talk some Joey Cantillo. When the trade happened, I said he was the number two piece uh, for in the Clevenger deal. And now he's kind of the forgotten guy. But let's talk about his last three starts. Uh, or should we just talk about all of his May starts? So let's just start his May starts. First of May, four innings, four strikeouts, no earned runs. He allowed three hits, two walks. Next start, five innings, six strikeouts, four hits, no walks, no earned runs. Next start, 5-12, four innings, one hit, one walk, eight strikeouts, no earned runs. Next start, Four innings, one hit, no walks, eight strikeouts, no earned runs. He has had, I should be able to do the quick math here, what, four starts in May? Hasn't given up a run. He's had uh, nine, eight, 17 innings, and in 17 innings, he has struck out, struck out? He has struck out, uh, that's 10, 8, 26. 26 and 17 innings, he has given up nine hits, three walks, and no earned runs. Cantillo is back, and he is turning into the player I thought he would be. 
Uh, he keeps doing anything remotely like this. I don't know how you don't keep him. So, you know, we talked about all those great prospects, all the great pitching prospects. Joey Cantillo has been utterly untouchable. Speaking of untouchable, we have to talk about Hunter Gaddis, who we had on the show just a few weeks ago. This past week, six innings, zero hits, one walk, 11 strikeouts. He had a, a rough one against Detroit, but I mean, other than that, he's another guy. It's been, you know, hardly ever touched up. He's had three starts this year where he gave up any earned runs. He is missing bats. He is not walking anyone as per usual. He's been hard to hit. Uh, Gaddis is, he's, you're seeing more of him on Twitter get brought up and mentioned. And it's just, he's another player who's just helping to separate himself in this group. And then, you know, I, I had to pull up. I had Will Brennan's numbers in front of me. How about the fact that Will Brennan has an equal walk and strikeout ratio? Uh, still has a 137 runs created plus. And, you know, he doesn't have the big home run numbers, but he's just interesting. You know, he came from Kansas State, not a hotbed of baseball development. And was a two-way player and just keeps making a case for himself to be a potential starter. So, you know, with Brennan, with Plesak, it's a really interesting time overall in that Akron grouping. It's not just the hitters or the pitchers, I should say. The pitchers get a lot, I mean, from myself included, get a lot of the mention. Oh, there kicks on my uh, my air conditioning, so I apologize. Or not air conditioning, the heating cooling unit, so I apologize for that right now. But, yeah, this is a team where the prospects are so much fun. You know, we talk about Tim Heron and how he needs to, how he got moved up to AAA, and he's going to probably be the next reliever up. We talk about, you know, uh, just, again, how ridiculous is Akron's pitching staff? Espino isn't healthy, hasn't pitched in May. He has not been out there, but the rest of that team, Hunter Gaddis, Joey Cantillo. Let's see, let me pull up the official list so I don't miss anyone. Espino, Xavion Curry, Ethan Hankins is listed there, but he's, you know, on the 60-day disabled list. Logan Allen the Younger. That's the thing with Espino and Allen. They have to be added after next season, so they won't be added now. Uh, Tanner Burns, who was drafted before Logan Allen, if you go back and uh, look at that draft who has also had some injury issues this year. Gaddis, Cantillo. I mean, if you count Hankins, which, I mean, if you want to, don't want to, I get it either way. But if we're talking Espino, Curry, Hankins, Allen, Burns, Gaddis, Cantillo, there are organizations that don't have, uh, you know, pitching that matches up with that. The entire organization doesn't have that interesting of pitching prospects. I just, it boggles my mind to look at what they have, and it's just, I've never seen a grouping that good. And yes, Ethan Hankins isn't pitching right now. Yes, Daniel Espino isn't pitching right now. Tanner Burns has been uh, up and down, but I mean, the rest of this group is good. It's young, and it's going to be knocking on the door very soon. Uh, Going back to that AAA group, discussing Peyton Batonfield and Connor Pilkington and Tobias Myers. Let's just pull their numbers. Actually, let's take a moment here for break number two, then we'll come back and discuss more about this minor league pitching, and we'll talk a little bit more about the game uh, that the Guardians lost today. And we're back. If you're watching at home, you're like, what happened? And my response is, hey, sometimes if you're on the YouTube, then I, uh, you get to see me not do ad reads. 
What prospects do I consider untouchable from Matt Milner and the ones you're more willing to throw into a future trade because the team needs to get ahead of the 40-man crutch? And what should said target in terms of upgrade? Uh, thank you, Andrew, for checking out the show. Um, and thank you for saying kind words. Uh, Andrew just said he's got to head out, but he loves the show. And I appreciate that. So I don't know in a right deal if anyone's untouchable to me. Now, again, that goes against type. And that's because... It, Again, I'm going to always be the low man on Espino just because I, I I can't get fully behind a unicorn. I can't get fully behind a guy that I've just never seen anything like. So I'm always going to be like, okay. Now I could end up being a complete fool with that. You know, that's that, I'll be honest about that. But in some regards, I feel a little bit better about Gavin Williams because it's more traditional. Um, but because you have such depth, like I'm okay with moving anyone in this. Like, who's the last pitcher who left Cleveland and performed well? Trevor Bauer is probably about it, right? And we never really got to see him after they limited um, the sticky stuff because of everything else that was going on. And we know he was using the sticky stuff to a high degree. So that's, that's listen, Trevor Bauer is a whole can of worms I don't want to get into on multiple levels. But we know he was using sticky stuff. We have not seen him post sticky stuff would see if he would have been anywhere near as effective if he wasn't essentially suspended for life from baseball and we're gonna then drop this over here and walk away but no one has really left and continued to be great they've been very good at identifying when players are nearing their end so if they trade a pitching prospect i feel comfortable i mean justice sheffield what happened there Right, that's probably the biggest pitching prospect they've traded in recent memory. Uh, even someone like Clint Frazier still hasn't turned into anything. They've been, <laughs> they have not had a lot of players who have gotten away in the last five, five to ten years. But if they move on from anyone, to me, that's a sure sign of like, okay, good to know, because it's a thing. Like going back, like I know from internal sources that they were done with Francisco Mejia. He had had a bunch of minor headaches. He just wasn't. They didn't think he was going to pay out. That's why they were very quick to flip him for Lou Croy. That's why they're very quick to flip him for Brad Hand. They were just like, okay, this guy, his valuation does not match what we think he's going to become. Uh, they were very, very willing to move on <laughs> from him. Again, I apologize for the coughing. Um, so I know that exists in system. I just do. Anyone they move, I haven't heard any negative rumblings. Let me put it that way. But I don't think there's anyone that they're necessarily afraid of. Because here's the thing. Like Valera Jones and uh, Arias all have very similar high-risk profiles, but they're also the only three power hitters in system, so that makes me a little nervous because I always think you know you need power. That's the one thing that's the most expensive thing to, um, to buy is power, power arms, power bats. Now, due to the risk, I can also understand if they're like, okay, let's sell high. Well, not in Nolan Jones' case because we haven't seen him in like it feels like a decade, but hopefully he'll get out and play soon. But there's a risk with all of those players just with the idea of that, like, they, the book on all of them is that they're going to get eaten up by good pitching because they can't hit the ball when it's low or that there's a somewhat of a hole in their swings. And I've had people, like, DM me, like, oh, you're too high on all three of them for uh, various swing-related issues. Probably the safest one right now is Brian Rocchio. He might be the one that I – man, I, I'm sorry that I gave you a 10-minute answer to your question, Matt – but he's probably the guy, which is funny because like 
three years ago, I was more than willing to include him in every trade. He's the guy I'd probably be least willing to move on from. But, like, if you can net someone who has, you know, if you could somehow get Tyler Stevenson, I don't think that's going to happen from the Reds. It's like, okay, I'm in. Uh, I'm willing. There's not anyone that I'm afraid to trade. Uh, If I could go out and get, you know, Brian Reynolds, I'm in. You know, I think we know what he is. If you could, like, for me and the... The trade target for me still should be outfield, catcher. Like, those are the primary places I'm looking. Or, I mean, honestly, the way this team's played, like, if I can go out and get a young starter that you believe in, if you can go and do the equivalent of, like, the Zach Gallen deal, go do it. Because, I mean, I still don't know what the heck's the deal with Bieber. Quantrell is a solid mid-rotation. Plesak is a back-end. He's always been a back-end at best. Savali is a back-end at best. Tristan McKenzie uh, is right now your ace. It's like, yeah, if Espino works out and Williams work out, that's great. Uh, if this whole wave of pitching works out, that's great. But pitchers get hurt. Uh, pitchers fail to develop. I mean, Logan Allen was a slam dunk. You couldn't miss. I, I mean, I was probably on record on this podcast saying he was a, you know, a n- no-fail Logan Allen the Elder uh, starting pitcher. Fifth starter. So, I mean, if you can go get a proven starter to slot into the back or, you know, who has number two, number three upside, I'm okay with that. Uh, I know it's like George Valera is going to take over a corner outfield spot, we hope, or Nolan Jones. Uh, But, again, they're not proven. And if they all of a sudden, if it works out and they get a chance and they perform well, uh, this team has never been blessed with too many bats. (laughs) It's, what, the 90s since they've had to figure out how to squeeze guys in? Uh, they'll, you know, you they'll make it work. Uh, I'm not afraid of taking away at bats from one of the young players if they really force the issue, especially because, again, I think this is Tito's last year, and I think that anyone they bring in is going to be very forward thinking, uh, to match up with the forward thinking that they're doing with like everything in the organization, and someone who's not going to be afraid to play young players. Tito's been great about this this year. I was hard on him. Truth of the matter is, he has been great in that area. So real quick on Myers. Uh, he is rocking a FIP of 637. So, yeah, he has been pretty atrocious. Uh, he's not missing any bats, and he's walking guys at a rate unlike any he's ever had. And he's a guy who's had inconsistent stuff throughout his career, has not been able to maintain velocity or anything else. Uh, Pilkington's only had four starts. He's been up and down. Uh, his FIP is 571. He's been pretty awful in AAA as well. Now, that AAA park is terrible. Uh, it's a beautiful park to go watch a game, but for pitchers, it is a bandbox, which kind of makes Peyton Batonfield's 390 FIP a bit amazing. Uh, his problem, though, is he's not missing bats. Like There isn't a super safe uh, next guy up in AAA, so I'll just go ahead and state that. That's probably one of the other reasons they haven't gone out and added anyone. And then, let's see. So for today's game, let me do my... I closed my tab. Let's see. No new questions. Uh, We're going a bit long, as I have been doing on all of the episodes of late. But let's do what I do for every game. Let's let's stick to the script, as it were, uh, as I kind of move into the final bit of today's podcast. I want to thank everyone for making Lockdown Guardians your first listen today and every day, wherever it is that you get podcasts. I also want to take a moment and uh, thank everyone who downloads, rates, and reviews, who joined the stream. Special shout-out to... Andrew Seaver and Matt Milner, who joined in and gave some questions to help uh, propel the podcast forward. And then also a shout out to uh, to Nathan Kingsley, who we had a, had a good conversation right before the show, and who also recommended uh, a, a Twitter account called Would It Dong. 
it just shows would it be a home run or not. Uh, it's got a ton of followers. I hadn't been following it, but uh, it was a great thing after my recent conversations about uh, Fran Mill Reyes and not hitting the ball out of the park. So wanted to recommend that. Who reached base twice in this one for the Guardians? Well, Jose Ramirez had two hits. Ernie Clement had two hits. I still don't know about playing him in the outfield. I'm just going to be honest. Um, I'm not even blaming him for the misplay in the weird park, but I still don't know about that. Uh, I believe that's it. Yeah, that that's unless there was a hit batter. Only hit batter was on their side. Uh, so Jose Ramirez is going to be one of your stars of the game uh, in this one. I can just state that now. He also had two of the three extra base hits. Doing the, the box score, bingo, as it were. The Guardians had seven hits and one walk. So they had eight base runners. Uh, three runs on eight base runners is actually pretty good. It's not great, but it's, it's pretty solid. The other side, they had nine hits, plus Cleveland's error gives them 10 opportunities, and they walked once. So seven runs on 11 opportun- uh, hit batter, 12 opportunities is very high especially when of those seven hits only three for for extra bases i mean they they got things to go together there's a little bit of luck in that seven runs let's be honest uh seven on 12 opportunities with only three extra base hits that's not an expected outcome uh going into the box score you know framber valdez has been great and they went to hector norris they weren't messing around in the seventh uh, or in the eighth inning, I should say. And then Montero closed it out. Eli Morgan had a nice inning. Uh, Anthony Ghost, who we hadn't seen in a week, was good. Neil De Los Santos is continuing to earn that spot in the bullpen. Uh, it's Like I said, this bullpen, I still stand, is a strength of this team. Who are your stars? I'm not going to get on Clement for the misplay in the outfield. I don't, it wasn't an error. It's a hard park. He's playing a position that's not his best. Double hit. Uh, double hit? Yeah, I mean, two-hit game. Jose Ramirez two-hit game, and then uh, Eniel De Los Santos gets a third star because there's not a lot of great other people, and he pitched an inning a third. And I mean, how about the bullpen overall? Three and a third innings, four strikeouts, no base runners. That's awesome. That is why this bullpen is such a strength. I think we all knew heading in that this was a massive, massive, massive uh, advantage to Houston. Fran Bird been fantastic. Plesac had been the opposite. Uh, Christian Javier versus Cal Quantrell tomorrow. This one is one I feel like there's a chance. Um, I'm not necessarily saying there is a great chance. Christian Javier has been awesome this year. Uh, and, you know, he is the type of guy who could cause, you know, par- problems for the Guardians. 11.2K per nine, 2.87 walk per nine in the early going. Uh, so it's not a perfect thing. I still think that I am likely... I'm not necessarily someone who goes out and, and bets on things, but if I was betting, I would lean into uh, Houston tomorrow. But yeah, that is today's episode of Lockdown Guardians. I'm trying to keep them under 40 minutes. I'm supposed to keep them at 28. And when I add in ads, uh, we're going to hit 40. So I want to thank everyone again who joined, specifically Matt and Andrew in the chat today, and Nathan for his uh, additional ideas and thoughts. Uh, let me know what you think about these stream ones. This is the third attempt at a stream. They're always just a little bit different because uh, I'm just... I, don't, I can't pause, I can't correct, I can't fix. You're seeing more just all from my head and my inability to uh, to stop and clean things up. So let me know if these are fun. Are they not fun? Uh, what people would like me to talk about, discuss on the show. Remember to rate and review. I think you now follow on iTunes as well or something like that. So all of that really helps our show. And if you're not subscribing on the YouTube, go do that. Uh, that, that really helps. We're getting at least 50 views an episode, which is actually really fantastic. Uh, and... Sometimes, I mean, 
listen, that walk-off win episode was, is approaching 1,200. It just keeps accumulating, but often over 100. So I just want to thank everyone who's viewing on YouTube. Thank you to everyone who's downloading the audio. Um, thank you to everyone who's doing their part to help Lockdown Guardians grow. Uh, it has been a fun experience adding the YouTube. I did not think I'd say that, but I've actually come to enjoy it quite a bit. Uh, it's I've gone long enough. Thank you all again, and as I end every show, go, go, Guardians, go.